So whether you are familiar with the show Ted Lasso or not, everything you need to know about that show essentially comes in the tagline, kindness makes a comeback. All right, church, listen, I am so excited today to launch our summer series, The Gospel According To. In this series, we're going to take something from popular culture every Sunday, movies, shows, etc., each Sunday, and we're going to break it down and find gospel-centered themes and truth. But I do sense there's a little bit of concern with that. Uh, why exactly are we doing this? How is this relevant to Jesus? I am so glad that you asked. I am so glad that you just now asked, and I sensed it. Because listen, church, the purpose is simple. We are not trying to be cool and trendy or, or anything like that. The purpose is to point you to Jesus through stories and illustrations from pop culture. Because throughout the ministry of Jesus, he preached a lot, right? You, you get that idea. He preached a whole lot. And he was the world's best preacher. Uh, and Jesus, he used a storytelling device called a parable. The simplest definition of a parable is this. A parable is an earthly story with heavenly meaning. Okay, if you are the note taker, then go ahead and write that down. It will be in front of you again next week to remind you. But a parable is an earthly story communicating a heavenly truth. And you all think some of my illustrations kind of get out there sometimes. Like, listen, Jesus' parables were, were crazy because they were so good. They were relatable, and they communicate godly truth in very practical ways. Now, to maintain relevance in today's culture, I'm not going to tell stories about farming you know, you can, you can kind of put that together in your head. I'm not going to talk about stories where we hire out day laborers, okay? But earthly stories that are already being told through pop culture, and we are going to find heavenly meaning in those. Now, before we do jump into Ted Lasso today, a quick heads up for you. Whatever media we cover in the coming weeks okay, does not completely equate to an endorsement of the media by Rock Vineyard Church, okay? Every believer has convictions, and they start at Jesus, and I think we're all on the same page there, okay? They start at Jesus, and they move out from there, but eventually we will realize we do not hold the same exact convictions on every single thing, and you know what? That's good. I think that's a good thing, but that doesn't mean what works for you works for me. That doesn't mean what you watch is something I would watch. What I would listen to is something that you would listen to. And so, no, we can't endorse every word spoken, every joke told, every second on film. We can't endorse all of it, but our decision um, of, to take this particular form of art from pop culture and bring it here, it was do done so carefully, responsibly, thoughtfully, and prayerfully. So with all those warnings out of the way, I am ready to talk about the gospel according to Ted Lasso. So you should see it on the screen, this big, goofy, mustached guy who really inspired me this week, if you couldn't tell. Who is Ted Lasso? 
if you couldn't tell from the trailer that we just played, Coach Lasso is a relentlessly positive influence in a professional English football league with no experience in the sport at all. He was born and raised in Kansas, and his coaching experience only led him to, the, to coach college American football. Not even professional and not even the same sport. Like a fish out of water, Coach Lasso took on a job he really has no business uh, being in. But Ted Lasso, he is relentlessly positive in his approach. He says this. Uh, he says, at the end of the day, success is not about wins or losses, but helping those young men become the best versions of themselves on and off the field. So here's why this is important. Coach Lasso, he cares for people more than winning football matches, and that is something I think Christians could root for. Like, seriously, uh, I think we could really get behind that. The fact that secular media is upholding and embracing a show like Ted Lasso is so refreshing. While there is plenty of swearing and cursing from his players, Coach Lasso never does. While there is rampant elevation of individual performance and individual prestige and celebrity, Coach Lasso bucks against that and inspires his team to not only think of themselves, but one another. In a time where we are simply inundated by things that are aimed to cause outrage and to put us against each other, Ted Lasso's courage finds itself in a simple mantra that he brilliantly embodies. He says, be curious, not judgmental. And you know what really sets Ted Lasso apart as well? Is that it is good. Like, it is a quality show. After its first season, it was literally nominated for a record-breaking 20 Emmys, and it won a great deal of those. Now, Coach Lasso may come off as a backward, strange man with unorthodox methods of coaching, but Ted Lasso embodies a humble gentleness. If you could sum it up in a single word and what our topic for today is, Ted Lasso is kind. He's, he's incredibly kind. The Bible has a whole lot to say about, about kindness. And our text today finds us in Ephesians 4. You can read with me on the screen, picking up in verse 17. The Apostle Paul writes, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Verse 20, but that's not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. 
Do not, do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. <clears throat> and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. <clears throat> in our last verse for today, or in this section, verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. There is so much in this text. We could unpack it for like the next 10 weeks, uh, but we, we simply don't have time for that today. <clears throat> but when uh, my wife and I, when we watched Ted Lasso, I don't know if you're like me, people recommend podcasts to you all the time. They recommend shows to you all the time. And so you will actually rarely pick one up and, and listen, but we just kept hearing this goofy name, Ted Lasso, so much. We were like, let's, let's give it a try. And so that's what we did. And as we watched, as episode after episode went on, this text kept coming to mind. This, this last verse, verse 32, really kept coming to mind. <clears throat> and it was really encouraging because I thought the audience is really receiving the spiritual fruit of kindness every single episode of this silly show. The Apostle Paul, he concludes this section of his letter to the Ephesians with those heavy words, kindness, tenderhearted, forgiving, and so I just, I, I, I think, what, what would the world's response be if Christians really were able to take that to heart? If we were known for our words like kindness and tenderness and forgiving? Are the Christians in, in, in your life known for such words? Are, are we known for such words? Is our faith actually marked by Christ where we are kind, we are tender, we are forgiving? And so this is why we're talking about the silly comedy, Ted Lasso, because culture wants to believe that those virtues are good. Culture actually wants to see kindness. They want to see these things. And so here's just my simple question to you. The Bible <clears throat> teaches it. Culture desires it. So why aren't we embodying it? Because this is why we're talking about this today. Come on, church. When, when can... Where can we grow in kindness today? Who could we be kind to this week that we really usually are not? Kindness is so important that anytime, I don't know if you're like me, that anytime I'm not kind, especially to my children, the Lord absolutely convicts my, my heart. My wife, she serves as our worship director and she does a great job, but uh, she was gone this week to a worship conference in Ohio. And so I flew solo with these three kids all week. And uh, listen, I absolutely loved it. It was, it was a great time. <clears throat> I love being a dad, but I am human and I can be very unkind. And, and usually that unkindness comes out first upon my kids. And, and sometimes we can want to excuse it and say, well, it's tough love. Well, this is just parenting sometimes. But I just want to say this before we jump back to Ted Lasso. Uh, if, if we Christians, if we Christians aren't sincerely repenting to our children, 
on any sort of normal basis, are we really pointing them to Christ? I just think of the times where I just have to sit down and I get in my little boy's face or my daughter's face and I just have to say, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have talked to you like that. I shouldn't have interrupted you. Whatever, fill in the blank. Are we really pointing our children to Christ if we're not on a normal basis repenting to them? I know you're not perfect. So, so shouldn't there be some sort of normal kind of exchange of repentance to our kids, of kindness to our kids? Now, listen, I'm not trying to be judgmental here, but your children, they are humans, and I think they do, they do deserve respect and patience and kindness just as much as your lost coworker. Let's aim to be effective in pointing others to Christ. Yes, through our kindness and our children especially. And honestly, in the show, Ted Lasso, he is a great dad. He and his wife have one son, but they are still back in the States. And Coach Lasso coaches in London, England. But here's where Ted Lasso is not just a show about empty optimism. Okay, because it gets very serious pretty early on. We learn that he has to face the fact that his marriage is actually completely falling apart. Not for any sort of moral failure reason, it's just falling apart. And on a visit to see him, his wife ultimately says that she wished things were like they were in the beginning, but they're not. And that she can't continue in this marriage. And Ted ultimately is forced to let her go and to let his marriage go. Now listen, this is a show, it's not reality, and it doesn't represent Christianity or Christian marriage, okay? So again, I'm just putting all these warnings around this, okay? But I think a lot of us could learn from this and recognize when it's time to move on and let go of a situation from a relationship or from a season that we want to hold on to, but it's simply run its course, I mean, we started in Ephesians 4, 17. It says, don't walk like Gentiles, which is a biblical way of saying, like, don't walk like non-Christians. Don't live like non-Christians, right? In the futility of their minds. This is about no longer walking like the world does, no longer acting like the rest of the world, but be renewed. So church, what are you holding on to? What are you holding out for that the Lord is telling you today, it's time to put that behind you. It's time to put it beneath you and actually move on. Now, hear me say this. The Lord, I really don't believe, is is not using Ted Lasso to inform you it's time to leave your marriage. Okay, if if you're listening right now and and you're thinking like, oh man, is he telling me I'm out? Like, no, I am not. Okay, don't, don't go there unless there's biblical precedent and then you probably need to go to counseling for that. But instead, but instead, Maybe it's time just simply for you to move beyond that thing, that friendship, that situation, that hurt. Isn't it time that you moved on and you placed your focus and your identity in Christ instead of walking around wounded all the time? The beauty of sadness is also explored in the show beyond this one situation. As many characters If you watch the show, you will come to know and love. Many of them walk through difficult things, but something that Coach Lasso encourages his team with is very weird. It is very strange. He actually tells them, embrace sadness. After a heartbreaking loss, he tells his team, be sad now. Feel 
all of this. Be sad together because it's better to be sad with your loved ones than to be sad and alone. It reminds me of Psalm 147.3 where it says, God heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. And for me, I just simply want to encourage you, you are not to walk through sadness and suffering by yourself. Psalm 147 is the simple reminder that God is with us. Or as it says in the book of James, is any one of you in trouble? You should pray. You should call the elders of the church to pray over you and anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. You are not supposed to suffer alone. You weren't meant to. And God seeks to love and heal you through it and in your suffering. But we need to let him in. As Coach Lasso articulates to his team, it's really a picture of how we are to be in community, especially when it gets hard, especially when things get difficult, that we are to be in community together. And you know what's beautiful about whatever comes your way? You know, you, like, like, are you the type of person that's like, kind of like always trying to control your life and what's coming next, and you're trying to anticipate what's happening? Well, the beautiful thing about that, and this is just an opinion I have, and an opinion Coach Lasso has, and it's biblical, you know, okay, so, so let's just say there are three things, you know, working for you there, okay? And it's just the simple phrase, hey, it will all work out. Whatever it is, it will all work out. There's a powerful moment where Coach Lasso is helping someone, and he says, it will all work out. Now, it may not work out how you think it will, or how you hope it does. But believe me, it will all work out as exactly as it's supposed to. And when I heard that statement, I just thought, like, I, he didn't say Jesus, but I'm hearing the gospel right now. Like, his relentless optimism here isn't just cliche hopefulness, but really declaring God's sovereignty and grace over all situations. In the book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul taps in to his inner coach Lasso, and he says, for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. It will all work out. May not happen like you think it will. May not go exactly how you want it to. But it will all work out. To live as Christ. That means you get to love everybody. You get to invite people into real relationship with Jesus. But to die? Well, you gain. That means you gain heaven. You gain Christ in eternity. That's an amazing concept. To live like we have purpose, to live like we have the best news in the world, that God loves you, to live like Jesus. And even if the worst thing happens, even if you die, you gain. That's wild. That's the gospel, though. It will all work out. And so uh, I, I have a, a few, uh, <clears throat> what I'm calling some lassoisms. Now, they're, they're scripture to all these, okay? Uh, but I got some lassoisms for you. And uh, I just wanted to take a moment and uh, tell you a few of these. Uh, the first lassoism for this morning is be a goldfish. I'll just let that one hit you for a second. Like, what? Be a goldfish. Coach Lasso says, you know what the happiest animal on earth is? <clears throat> it's a goldfish. You know why? It's got a 10-second memory. Listen, I love that. That's not necessarily biblical, but it is still so good. I don't know if anyone has told you or not, but you are human and you will make mistakes. Be a goldfish. Isaiah 41.10 says, fear not for I'm with you. Don't be dismayed. 
I am God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. What if you looked at your life this week with that promise? Fear not. God strengthens me. Fear not. God is with me. Fear not and have a 10-second memory. You are not defined by your mistakes. Hey, you hear me? You are not defined by your mistakes. You are not the sum total of your greatest mistakes. But God loves you. Jesus died for for you and for those mistakes. And you have been invited to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Mistakes happen. Learn from them and simply move on. And and move, move beyond that. Learn and grow and move on. Or in a much much more eloquent way. Be a goldfish. The second lassoism I got for you, which is just fun to say, you know, like, like hey, if you're sitting next to someone, just say lassoism. Like, it's just, uh, it's just uh, fun to say. Lassoism number two. And uh, you all will, I think, appreciate this one. He says, I want you to know, I value each of your opinions, even when you're wrong. Listen, the lesson here is very simple, okay? Don't take things so personally, okay? Like, don't take everything so personally. Coach Lasso is constantly criticized by the press in Europe and team fans, but he never takes their insults personally and has complete faith in his methods. Could you imagine being someone on a public platform like that, but caring about every opinion and every tweet and every post and every single gosh darn opinion about you? It would drive you insane. Proverbs 19.11 says, Good sense makes one slow to anger. It is for his glory to overlook an offense. Now, I know we just talked about being offended two weeks ago in the clickbait series. Uh, That was a fun Sunday. But someone, who, but someone who didn't hear it that week, uh, maybe you need to hear it this week. Stop avoiding those offenses. Pray for your offender. Because who cares what a single person on the internet thinks about you? Who cares what a single person in your life believes about you that isn't true? If you build a life on trying to please everyone, you will disappoint almost everyone. Offenses will come. So know the difference between an offense worth dismissing and a difficult conversation worth embracing. It is to your glory to overlook an offense. Folks, come on, move on. I already told you you're going to make mistakes, okay? 10-second memory, be that goldfish, okay? And overlook when small stuff comes your way. If it's not worth embracing a conversation, let it go. Let it go. No one deserves space in your head rent-free. Move on. Move on. Or, to quote Coach Lasso again, uh, he, he just has this like Midwestern you know, uh, uh, grin about him all the time. He says, even Woody and Buzz got under each other's plastic at times. Move on or work through it and move on. Life is not worth holding on to bitterness and anger any longer, so make peace, value their opinions, even when they're wrong, And overlook the offense because your heart will be better for it. Amen. Are you with me, church? Are you with me? I know this is kind of unorthodox. We're just having some fun today. Church should be fun a little bit, right? Uh, Some of us are having fun this morning especially, and I appreciate that, definitely. All right, my third, my third lassoism I got for you, okay? Uh, Number three, this is our last lassoism, okay? 
<clears throat> don't bring an umbrella to a brainstorm. This was, this was so stupid. This is so dumb. But it made me laugh out loud. And I was like, okay, this, this is going to be in, in it today. Don't bring an umbrella to a brainstorm. <clears throat> okay, it makes little sense. But here it is simply. Don't make decisions for other people. Don't put ceilings on things just because you don't think it will work out. Don't bring an umbrella to a brainstorm. I was talking with one of our ministry leaders months back, and they were expressing some frustration within their area and that there was a lack of help in their area. And I referred this person to a few people in our church, and I said, hey, why haven't you approached this person or that person? Uh, and then came all of the reasons why it wouldn't work. Came all the reasons, well, they're this, well, they're that, well, this, where, well, you know. Uh, and I don't, I don't normally interrupt people, but this time I did. I, I, I did. And I just said, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <clears throat> I said something that I heard someone a lot smarter than me say years ago. Uh, don't say no for people. Don't assume you know. Don't say no for people. Who are you to place limits on other people? Who are you to make assumptions about others? As it says in Proverbs 18.2, and, and listen, the Bible is absolutely savage. Look at this. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing their opinion. Man, if Facebook had a Bible verse. Amen. Only in expressing their opinion. I just, I can't get over the fact that what if we Christians were known more for our understanding and not our judgment? What if we Christians were known for our willingness to hear a different opinion without demanding ours to be known? What if we simply worked to understand others and not our often graceless assumption of others? Or let's not complicate it. Let's put it really simple. Really, really simple. Write this down. This is profound. Ready? What if we were kind? What if we were kind? What if we were known for our, not Ted Lasso-inspired kindness, but our Christ-like kindness? I think the reason Ted Lasso, the show, has struck a chord in culture and is super popular is because it's almost like the world has never seen such kindness, especially such kindness within adversity. Because the show, he goes through a whole lot of stuff. And he's not perfect, but he's very quick to respond with kindness. And um, my last little thing from the show that I'll pull um, is probably one of the most memorable moments for me from the show. Uh, <clears throat> this week... Again, I had you know, my kids and I was flying solo this week, so I didn't get a, a whole lot of time to myself. Um, but I was watching like, you know, different clips from the show and I was remembering how they made me feel. And uh, I was telling my wife, you know, um, after a long week, I was very, very tired. And I watched this scene I'm about to describe to you. And, and when it happened, I was just crying and driving. You know, like, like I was just like sobbing because I was so tired, but also like this moment was just really, really beautiful. And it was the most memorable moment in the show for me. <clears throat> um, uh, Rebecca, she's the owner of the team, okay? She confesses something absolutely terrible to Coach Lasso. Uh, Rebecca walks into his office and says, 
She says, Ted, I lied to you. I hired you because I wanted this team to lose. I wanted you to fail. And I sabotaged you every chance I've had. Her reasoning was because her ex-husband loved the team and Rebecca wanted to hurt her ex so much, she manipulated Ted and his team all season long to ensure they would lose every single match. And honestly, that would send me into fight mode. I would be ready to argue. I'd be ready. I'd I, I resign. You know, I'd, I'd just be irate that someone could hurt me in such a deep way for such a long period of time. I would be irate. But Coach Lasso acts in his character, and he just says three words. And he says, I forgive you. To her shock, she's, you know, what? Why? And he responds, divorce is hard. It doesn't matter if you're the one leaving or you're the one that got left. It makes folks do crazy things. And in his deep hurt, in his sadness, he, he hears her apology is sincere. And so he responds to that sincere apology with sincere forgiveness, sincere kindness. Worship team, come on back up. Uh, church, this is the way that Jesus meets you. In your crying out, in your sin, in your problems, when we come to God in sincere repentance, God is quick to forgive us. And I don't know who needs to hear this right now, but that's more than Ted Lasso. That's the gospel. That is the gospel. That is no doubt the definition of kindness, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, and his love compels us to give that same kindness away to others, to people who have wronged you, to people who have wronged you this week, people who wronged you this morning, to people who don't deserve it. That is the kind of kindness that we are to give to other people, to everyone. We extend the love of God to others, not because they deserve it, but because we've been forgiven and we know what that's like. And so my, my, my parting thoughts on kindness are simply these. When it comes to kind of interpersonal kindness, uh, you know what compels me to listen to others? It's their kindness. You know what's missing? from many interactions, our kindness. You know what compels sinners to Christ? God's kindness. His kindness is to guide us and lead us. His kindness forgives us so we can forgive others. Who are we needing to forgive today? If you're going to remember anything from today, please remember Ephesians 4, 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. I think the, I think the beautiful thing about something as silly as a TV show like Ted Lasso is that <clears throat> it communicates a lot of things that we, that we need to hear even some, some biblical truth that isn't, isn't portrayed as uniquely Christian, but is the reminder that kindness matters. 
over uh, the course of this last school year. Uh, my wife would, uh, uh, she was homeschooling our kids. She would give them a Bible verse every week to remember. And Ephesians 4, 32 was the Bible verse this one particular week. And it stood out to me because there's always time to be kind. There's always time for kindness. How can we grow in kindness today? How can we be kind to someone today? How can we choose to show Christ-like kindness to someone in our life today? So if you wouldn't mind to, to please stay, and we're going to go back into a time of worship, but also just sincere reflection. <clears throat> I think it's, it's of great importance that we consider that we consider others, that we consider how we approach others, that we would consider how we talk to others, even how we think of others. Are we, are we being kind? Are we, are we are we embracing the teachings of Christ? Are we being tender-hearted? Are we quick to forgive? I think God has been so kind to us. I know God has been so kind to me. And, and from that, I can be kind to others. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you that uh, we get to come together and worship you. Um, <clears throat> and acknowledge that, that you are God. And so, Lord, I, I, I see this, this cultural conversation around kindness taking place, this, this, this gentleness that we're seeing in, in something as obscure as, as a TV show. But, but, God, I just see that that is the world longing to be like you, longing to experience your kindness. And so we as believers today, we can see that and acknowledge that and embrace that. And so, Father, I, I, I pray that we just, uh, today, we wouldn't look at our lives just the same way, the same old way. Well, that's just how I talk to them. That's just how I speak to them. <clears throat> but instead, we would be tender. We would be forgiving. We would be kind. We would see you at work in our lives. So as we, as we worship, as we pray, as we reflect today, Father, bring these things to mind. Put these things on our heart. Ways that we can see you and your kindness in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen.